Welcome back to another episode of Onward Thinking. This is Avery Johnson. This is Caleb Gipple. And we are here hitting you with some current events. Uh, if you may not know, COVID-19 is currently hitting our world pretty hard right now. Uh, there might be a few of you out there that don't know about this, but if that's the case, you probably live under a rock and you probably don't have any of the technology needed to listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we're coming at you a little bit uh, with hopefully a fresh take on what this current event is doing. Uh, And really, it's shaping our world in in pretty drastic ways. And so we're going to talk about that, kind of some of the innovations and things that we're seeing. Um, But that will come after we kind of cover some ground, just kind of seeing what is currently happening in our lives and in the world, too. Um, It's an unquestionable fact that this virus is pausing lives. Um, it's isolating individuals, and it's um, even causing some loved ones to be lost. It's causing a lot of suffering. Um, and we owe a great deal to the individuals out there taking care of people on the front lines and fighting this virus and putting in a lot of overtime and a lot of additional hours. So we really uh, thank the people taking care of um, those important jobs. Um, the trajectory of COVID-19 is pretty unpredictable. There's a lot of speculations out there. We don't know when and where it might be stopped. Uh, it's pretty likely that this will be the very beginning here in the United States, uh, as some other countries that have been hit harder um, are just starting to kind of wind down or kind of hit a plateau. Um, but we're just getting started, it seems, and uh, schools are shutting down. Um, grocery stores are, are shutting down. Um you're going to see theaters and public places of gathering not opening. And uh, there's a lot of anxiety, fear, and unhelpful comments being made. And so we just want to kind of maybe focus on some of the, the good things that we see in this, this dark situation, uh, some of the, the innovation and adaptations that are happening. Um, and already we're seeing initiatives being developed, which may never have even existed without this unfortunate kickstart. Uh, so we'll get into that uh, during this episode. Uh, welcome to Onward, Onward Thinking, COVID-19. So Caleb, what are some of the impacts just that you're seeing directly towards your own life as a, as a student? Uh, we're both in higher education. I can talk more about how I'm seeing this affect my work. Yeah. But as a student, I mean, they already started pushing online classes a while back before even the big scare happened in the United States. Uh, so it seems like students were some of the first to be kind of impacted by this. Yeah, very much so. And it is kind of funny how we've seen both sides of the table on this. You working in higher ed, me going through my undergrad right now. Yeah, students really took the hit early on. I think most Americans didn't necessarily, I mean, for college students, you've got students that are studying abroad or have travel plans or have other big events in their life that they're looking forward to, like bigger picture. And so in terms of student impact, this was hitting home months ago where, you know, even two months ago, we started receiving contact from the Northern Iowa, like study broad office about, hey, you know, student safety is a priority. And so that was one of the first impacts that we saw across the nation from college campuses was pulling out of these study abroad programs and keeping your like finger on the pulse of other colleges across the nation. You started to see the writing on the wall in terms of like shutting down programs from going across, 
And then as soon as you started seeing other countries shutting down borders, looking at bringing home those students and bringing them back to the U.S. I mean, just going beyond study abroad now, like the big, the big deal right now is going online for education. I mean, you had your smaller private colleges go for us, right? Leading the pack. And then you started to see bigger public universities. Like I remember when Ohio State announced that they were going online, that was big. And going online for that like two week period, that quarantine period was big. And at that rate that we're going, matching that curve with Italy, it seems that we seem to be heading in that direction where the remainder of this final semester being online. I think the the big thing for me is just the the seniors come to mind of all of your lasts pretty much get compressed into like two to three days. Mm. And and that's just kind of a shame. You've got seniors where their study abroad got canceled. And so they're trying to find credits so that they can get their degree. You have students that have never taken an online class in their entire life that are now wrapping up their degree, trying to figure out online classes while their professors at the same time are. And not even the student athletes as well. Uh, <clears throat> I've been fortunate to, to connect with a few students. Uh, one is a track and field athlete, right? And that entire rest of their season just pulled out. And um, it is kind of heartbreaking. It, it, I mean, it's a serious issue and, and a serious threat, like a novel virus like this demands that, you know, we take the necessary precautions. But that being said, I mean, it is tough. It is tough to do the social social distancing because for college students, there is so much going on and uh, there's so much to pull out of. So a lot of change and not very much time. What about you on that flip side, working in higher ed, working in admissions? What? How have you seen this change what you are doing and how you go about your work? Yeah, it's definitely put an emphasis on social distancing for meetings, uh, finding bigger spaces to hold those meetings or inviting fewer people. Um, and I don't even think there's any confirmed cases in Blackhawk County yet, uh, but there is uh, cases of community spread in Iowa. Um, we're not necessarily sure where um, that information hasn't been released, but uh, community spread is the absolute nightmare when it comes to this stuff because you don't yeah. know the source, you don't know, you know where it might be coming from. So it makes it super unpredictable. Um, so we've also had some discussions about uh, online working or working, you know, at home. Uh, so we've seen some people moving to that, especially uh, faculty uh, and some staff members. Uh, in my office currently, we haven't gone to working remotely yet. So that might be on the horizon. Uh, it might not be. We'll just kind of wait and see how drastic uh, the situation gets. Uh, it'd be interesting if we did go remote. I think most of us could do it. Some of our um, admission staff probably couldn't. Their jobs really just need to be done in the admissions office. So you kind of have that option. Uh, I'm kind of in a fortunate situation where I could work remotely, um, mm -hmm. but a lot of people aren't. There are people um, around campus and in the community that um, unfortunately are going to be without a job for a couple of weeks if they're not able to go in, uh, which the governor kind of um, released some info on providing assistance to those people, but we don't really know what that looks like yet. I haven't gotten yeah. into the details, um, but a lot of people are going to be um, without childcare or without the option to 
um, make any money during this time. So it's going to definitely see uh, an economic slowdown um, in those situations. So it's kind of a kind of a bummer. We're also seeing um, a move towards virtual tours um, for juniors interested in, in visiting campus and admissions. Um, we're just expecting that they're going to reschedule to a later date when this yeah. is kind of settled down. But for seniors, it's kind of uh, getting to uh, a make or break kind of time where the seniors that haven't made a decision need to be making a decision and the seniors that have made a decision yeah. uh, need to be getting their next steps taken care of. And so we're trying to roll out some virtual tours, some virtual campus information options, and we're even going to be moving some counselors into um Zoom meetings where we can have online Zoom calls with students nice. uh, and get them the information they need to uh, get. So we'll see how that goes. Was uh, that was that in like the plans before <laughs> this came in, or a lot of this is scrambling? Actually, the Zoom okay. the Zoom call was uh, and Zoom meetings was kind of something we were setting up today. Uh, so the the unique situation with you and I is we were kind of a, a small institution, and so we thought that we might be able to hold on to um, having smaller meetings, like one-on-one appointments, and still have visitors come to campus. Um, but as the situation situation is heightened, we realize we can't do that, and so we have to be online completely. We can't have visitors coming into the office, unfortunately, uh, and so it lets us kind of scrambling to figure that stuff out. Yeah. Um, but last week when kind of it, it kind of came in realization that we weren't going to have more people sign up for visits. Um, the virtual uh, tour option was something that we kind of started to explore, the virtual um, presentations and snapshots of majors and that type of thing. They started to put that stuff together. Um, but you see the University of Iowa that pretty much committed to going online for admissions um, without any expectation of having on-campus visits. They have a system already up and running and operational and ready to go. Granted, it's not happening this week yet, but it's set up so that it can start happening next week after spring break. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so they'll be having those online calls as well. And so they just went all in on the end of that um, kind of idea and moved away from those on-campus visits. So that's kind of what we're seeing in admissions on, on that side of things. So, wow. Yeah. Exciting times. A lot of change. Interesting times for sure. Fascinating times. Um, a lot of my coworkers have been having some anxiety and a little bit of, been, been a little bit of fearful, um, but it's for a reason. And I think that this will be uh, really good for us to kind of flex ourselves a little bit. Uh, it's kind of interesting because our normal things that we'd be doing at this time of year are completely different now. So it's like, well, what are we going to do? Um, But at the same time, it's creating a a new workload for leaders on campus administration, tech people uh, that they normally wouldn't bear. So uh, for some of us, it's kind of made a lighter workload and for others, it's given a really heavy burden. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Added, added onto that other duties as required aspect. But I want to touch base. One thing that you mentioned there was just the childcare aspect of it. Uh, I think one thing to note for the folks listening to this is we are recording this as of March 16th, as this whole situation is just drastically changing with literally every day that passes. Uh, That's, that's an important distinction to make. And as of last night, Governor Reynolds making the recommendation for schools to go off for four weeks. And then that means today we saw a flood of posts from community schools, um, you know, canceling or shutting down for those four weeks. And it's led to even more uncertainty because even we, we were talking about this college perspective, uh, but now we have 
high schools trying to make this transition, grade schools trying to Mm -hmm. figure out how to navigate this. And I know that with our mutual friend, one of our loyal listeners facing this and is really in the trenches trying to navigate through this troubling times. Like, how do you see this stemming innovation there on the the high school and grade school level? Well, again, it kind of goes back to that that burden that uh, some will have to bear because uh, not all schools have that capability. Some schools are smaller um, and they don't have the, the technology needed or they do have the technology, but they don't have the people really or the man hours to, to get that stuff kind of put together on a short-term basis. Uh, and it also is a question of at what age group do you cut it off? Because uh, college students can can adapt and, and learn online, but um, do high schoolers take it seriously? Will the teachers take it seriously? Um, and what age group does online teaching work? Um, I don't know if a fifth grader or a sixth grader could do all their courses online. I am hesitant to know if like an eighth or ninth grader could. Uh, so we'll kind of, we'll kind of see how that, it's kind of an experiment. Yeah, that uh, is. We'll, that's we'll see what point. happens. And some schools might be able to, to put it together. Some schools might just have to be in limbo and kind of be put on hold. Um, it might just be some classes are being able to taught, be able to taught, be taught online and some aren't. Uh, so that's kind of something to, to kind of, monitor and, and kind of watch it as well because it's, it's kind of a grand experiment in online learning yeah we'll have to see what innovations just from the field of education stem out of this but yeah absolutely it'll be it'll be cool to watch go down but there are a lot of other areas too outside of education that are being affected uh and you see that across you know across the board whether it's in supply chains or whether it's uh in working remotely from, from tech companies. I mean, some companies have that ability easier than others as we were kind of talking about Mm -hmm. earlier. Um, and I mean, this is a, this is a serious thing. This is a a very serious virus. At first I was kind of skeptical. I was like, well, I don't, I think it's maybe getting blown up a little bit more than what it really needs to be. Uh, but after doing a little more research on this topic and kind of looking at what is happening, um, you can kind of see the seriousness of the situation. I mean, you have a co- country like China, for example, that, you know, doesn't shut down a, any minor thing. And here they are, they shut down their entire country, quarantine thing, uh, different, you know, s- sections of the other country and built hospitals in like 10 days. Yeah. Um, they just put together this huge, like all these different drastic measures to, to make sure they could take care of their people. And, uh, get back on track and just now like we were saying they're just starting to reopen some of their manufacturing yeah um but it's, it's definitely taking giving them a hard hit and they're taking it very seriously uh so it means that we should probably be taking it seriously too i mean yeah. you can see other countries that are getting hit pretty hard um italy for example but and you can also see some countries that are adapting really well i think singapore and israel are adapting to it pretty well um and that might have something to do with the leadership um their leaders are tend to be more science focused and kind of cross trained in multiple disciplines. Um, China too has, uh, has a couple of leaders that uh, were trained in engineering. Whereas you see a lot of the, the states here, we've kind of been fumbling our, our reaction a little bit. Uh, but we see a lot of the people um, in the political realm that don't have that scientific background, which uh, can be kind of difficult because experts can give all the advice and warnings they want. But if our political leaders don't make the right calls because they don't have the right understanding, mm-hmm. uh, they can really hinder um, our 
ability to react well, um, and also the fact that we're a bureaucracy. So yeah. sometimes that can be a hindrance as well. It slows down the process. There are a lot of examples with the FDA um, and a couple of other things and decisions um, that could be delved into as well. If you want more details on that, I would encourage you exploring um, the Knowledge Project podcast, uh, episode 78. Uh, it talks a little bit more in depth about towards the end of that that podcast more about the fda and stumbling blocks that they saw thanks to the bureaucratic process yeah red tape slowing things down but even what you mentioned where world leaders across the country and how different countries have different approaches i mean the one that stands out to me in terms of just severity like you've got a country like ireland and pubs literally 36 hours before saint patrick's day pubs are shutting down I mean, if you want to talk about a serious, drastic measure, <laughs> but also too, uh, one of the best ways I've heard it described is Neil deGrasse Tyson was on a late night television show. And of course they asked him about it and he's an astrophysicist. So he was like, listen, <laughs> I do space things, but uh, he made an important point where we are in this grand experiment to see, will people actually listen, listen to scientists now? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I think that there is to some extent, I mean, not any specific topic, but there does seem to be a large, a rather large amount of people, a concerning amount of people that would just blatantly disregard the science or would be skeptical of it as well. So we are, as Neil deGrasse Tyson would say in this grand experiment to see if this gets more folks taking considerations and recommendations from scientists more seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So as far as uh, some of the ad- adaptations and innovations we're seeing, we covered a couple, um, but there's a couple more that we, that we want to mention too. Um, we talked a little bit about working remotely. Uh, we're going to be seeing a rise in that, I think. Um, and we've already had the technology for, for a lot of these things, like working remotely for online classes. But basically, COVID-19 is, is accelerating it. It's accelerating our need to, to move towards some of these things. Uh, so we're just kind of seeing that with working remotely, um, companies that can do it are doing it. There are people that need to learn how to use Zoom are do- using Zoom or, you know, these other platforms uh, so they can have team meetings and uh, interactions. Um, we're seeing, uh, well, we were seeing for a while some sports kind of um moving towards streaming and playing to empty arenas, but now most of them all are, are canceled or postponed. We'll have to wait and see what happens at the 2020 Olympics. I mean, that could be, you mentioned having a hard time with seniors earlier and imagining that. Well, some Olympians, if this continues, some Olympians might be having a hard time um, because they only get one small window every four yeah. years. And I believe it hasn't it already been postponed two years. I, I don't know. I don't know. Is it? I didn't hear that yet. Uh, stay tuned. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. So sounds good. We'll check on that. Uh, so that's that's crazy to think about because that already affects yeah. um, athletes' training schedules and then it affects the city that was going to be gaining all the income from all the tourists and people coming to watch the Olympics. It affects the Olympians themselves and missing their chance to, to play and compete. I mean, some of those Olympians have very small windows, like I was saying. So. Well, and in, in, and in terms of the economic impact, like you mentioned, in ter- not just in terms of people's jobs or ability to work being influenced, but the amount of revenue and economic stimulus that comes from sporting events. I mean, I know a lot of times it's just viewed as recreation, but take March Madness, for example. 
If you look just at the amount of money that is generated in terms of the ads, even if we went to a streaming model, we're talking a lot of money here. Yeah. And then those communities and those cities in which uh, people flock to for these games. Uh, I mean, I remember when the games were hosted in Des Moines. I mean, the amount of revenue that's being brought into your city, that's brought into your state, it can really help out some of these small and local businesses. And now we're just not seeing that. Yeah. And especially too, you've had some touching examples where hourly employees, you know, hourly wage-based employees at some of these arenas for the NBA or the NHL are being impacted by this because they're not able to go into work. And it can't even be pushed enough how just like scary this is in terms of the economic impact, especially with as rocky as the U.S. economy has been just these last few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. And I think we're going to see a lot of people trying to innovate their way out of this uh, economic downturn, this um, recession that, that might be on the, on the horizon here. Um, I think we'll, re- we'll definitely recover from it, but uh, for a couple of months or a year or a couple of years, we might be seeing a little bit of a, a challenge, especially when it comes to the economy. Um, we're also seeing um, a lot of other things happening too. I mean, like I was saying, a lot of our technology is kind of, we're kind of seeing a trend towards online, whether it's delivery, that's going to become even bigger uh, just because people don't want to go out and, you know, risk encountering mm-hmm. a disease in, in the grocery store. Um, elderly populations that are the highest at risk for this disease, um, they were traditionally the ones that were uh, hardest to reach when it came to transitioning over to gro- online grocery shopping. But now they are. They are making the switch. They thought that they couldn't do it. They thought that they wouldn't do it. And now they're being forced to do it because they don't want to risk their lives. Um, so they're making the change um, to e-commerce which is kind of fascinating to watch. Uh, it's kind of good for some of these e-commerce on online companies because they're getting a whole new um, market share, basically, mm-hmm. a whole new consumer. So, you know, once those habits are developed, they'll be they'll be hard to break. Uh, so that's, that's some, some of the things there. And like I was saying, like all this technology, uh, and just as far as our everyday interactions go, um, is moving online. We've already seen this movement. It's just that this is trend is going to be accelerated. Um, and one key kind of way that I think about this, uh, kind of a term that um, was kind of one of the was coined in one of the articles I read, uh, was called the isolation economy. We're already moving towards this isolation economy, uh, working remotely, online grocery shopping, deliveries, all this stuff. But we're going to be seeing this virus push us further into this isolation economy, mm. which could be. A very bad thing, actually, because as a as history kind of proves, humans we've only accomplished everything that we have because we operate as a collective, because we operate together, and we need social interactions. Already, mm-hmm. we're seeing a rise in anxiety and depression, um, and so while this crisis is pushing us into isolation, which is what we have to do to survive and actually like not suffer and, and perish from physical ailments, I think long term it could be very negative on mental health. Um, and health in general in other ways. Yeah. And I think oh, there's so many, there's so many different areas and, and that's what almost makes it scary. I, I know that there's, there's reason to be optimistic through, but I think that's what makes it like a, Oh crap is 
the amount of areas that are going to be influenced. Sports, education, I mean, yeah. uh, mental health, like you mentioned, and just health in general, of course. Right. And just the economy on a macro level, on a macro level, supply chain aspect playing a huge part into that where so many different areas are going to be influenced by this. And even once this is all said and done, you know, uh, vaccine is created, you know, and countries are back up and going again, seeing the year, the year and a half influence that this has after it, it, it's going to leave quite a shock. Well, not even, well, I mean, that influence for sure, but it's going to, it's going to stay in the memories of those who live through it. I mean, Mm -hmm. we haven't even gotten into like the innovations we're seeing in the medical field or in um, the advances they're making in um, biology. Uh, we're seeing a lot of these things. Like if we get into more of the science fiction side of things, we can see everything from countries you know, who already say, if you want to travel here, you need to, have to be vaccinated. But they can move more towards, if you want to travel here, we need a sample of your saliva so we can test it and see you know, what you might be at risk of bringing into our country. Uh, it could be the fact you can't get on a plane or get off the plane until you provide that DNA sample or you have to get scanned. We're seeing some companies that are saying you can't come to work unless you get your forehead scanned and get a temperature. Uh, I know John Deere in the area is doing that. Um, they close down their coffee makers too. But yeah, they're not letting their people into work unless they get scanned for their temperature. I mean, that's just a small thing. Um, but we're going to see uh, a big spike in our abilities to test for diseases Mm -hmm. um, and get results even faster. Uh, We're going to see a big push into um, this different types of medicine, whether it's um, consulting through telemedicine, talking to doctors, um, disinfectants, um, scanners, and diagnosis on people. Um, We're going to be seeing a big rise in those different things. We're seeing um, robot care, AI scanners um, that can kind of help to predict, like, are you at risk of having carrying something or are you at risk of bringing something in? Um, and the robot care is just, you know, so you don't have to get your doctors and your nurses sick as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to see um, different places put up more um, kind of walls and barriers to entering, like we talked about earlier. Um, but one kind of illustration I heard was about China. Um, they have the Great Wall, which is a physical barrier. They have a firewall, which is an internet barrier. Um, but then they're going to have a bio wall as well. A bio wall. Yeah. Yes. Um, but basically, COVID-19 is, we're in a war zone. We're in a war zone against the virus. It's pretty much a world war just against the virus. And we're all kind of in it together. We're all kind of fighting it together. Um, but this is going to have ramifications down the road into how we... Um, react and treat different things are actually seeing like china their innovations they're at a war like wartime pace as far as innovations go when it yes. comes to yes. this biotechnology yeah it, it is it, i mean never waste a crisis right it, i mean comes to my mind when i think of this and and it really is it's spurring it and out of desperation and needs of solution we'll start to see more of these i, I really i want one thing i wanted to touch on too is just we talked about like these macro level where like companies and countries will start to monitor individuals' health uh, more closely just to make sure that we're up on that. But even on a micro level, uh, the way that individuals interact with each other on a day-to-day basis, I think of just interactions. In, in working in career services, for the first time before a mock interview, I didn't shake someone's hand. Yeah. I mean, 
even just jokingly starting doing elbows. You see the videos where after a sports game, instead of shaking hands, individuals are, you know, doing foot high fives or, you know, bumping foot feet. Yeah, foot taps. You can do a and, more formal bow. Yeah. And it'll be interesting too, like you mentioned with the ramifications in the next few years, what will we see in terms of percentages of people across age ranges taking vaccines more serious? Yeah. Uh, you know, it takes an emergency like this that peaks that awareness in individuals. Will we see more people getting vaccinated? What will we see? Hard to measure, but in terms of people washing their hands, like, yeah. like people are actually taking that serious, which is good. But in the past, uh, even like if you, there is one study I saw from the CDC in terms of European countries and granted, like America is no better in terms of hand washing, but it was the, the poll was individuals that wash their hands after using the restroom. Some countries, it was in the 60 percentile. Uh, for quite a few, it was in the 70th percentile. But it will be interesting to see in the next years moving forward how many more are taking that more serious and if those percentages go up. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. Uh, it's just interesting to see the behavior and the psychology of people as it, as it changes um, and the situations change it. Like we were saying, this is going to be felt for years down the road and it's going to be we're probably living in a point where the history books are going to write about it whether from a political standpoint or a how to avoid a pandemic standpoint <laughs> to uh standpoints and in innovation like this is a this is a point in history that we are living through that's going to affect our world for generations to come yeah and we're very excited to conclude this episode wrap it all up with a content expert that we've brought in we have with us on the phone uh, denise skipple hi denise hi how are you good good thanks for taking time to hop on the show with us um absolutely we're gonna go ahead and dive right in can you tell us a little bit about your uh, your field of work your experience with this topic in general Sure. Um, I have my master's in public health degree from the University of Iowa with a, a concentration in epidemiology, which um, is usually not something people are interested in, except for in times like these. Um, that's that's fair. I've, I've worked at the state level as an epidemiologist helping with disease outbreaks. Um, I've also worked at the local level in public health and um hospitals. I currently am working with both public health and hospitals in uh, Mahaska County. No shortage of experience. Well, this is not my first outbreak. <laughs> That's fair. And what are some of the outbreaks that you've dealt with? Yeah. Um, well, so I was just saying this one is a little bit better because I've worked with a lot of uh, gastrointestinal outbreaks. So uh, norovirus, Salmonella, yeah. um, Cryptosporidium, Giardia, things like that. Um, of course, influenza. I lived through H1N1. Um, and then, of course, um, our current one, which is uh, something which I think is going to change us completely as a nation and a world. Absolutely. Really? So I'm curious. Can you tell us more about that? How do you see... This one being different from the variety of experiences that you've had, um, and how do you see that driving change then and changing us for years to come? Well, we're doing things that we talked about in school, 
but you never did on a large scale like this. We did, we found social distancing. Uh, we've done isolation and quarantine, uh, but we have not done it worldwide before. So this is completely uncharted territory. Um, there's just um, a lot of things I don't know that I ever thought I would see on this grand of a scale. So um, while I'm not surprised by these mitigation actions, I am just kind of amazed that we are going through with them. Um, I think we all like to enjoy our freedom, uh, particularly here in the United States and, you know, across the world. But you see people really taking big steps and saying, okay, we're going to cancel these things that are really important to us. And we're going to try to give healthcare a fighting chance at uh, fighting this disease. Wow. Yeah, the, so, drastic yeah, measures. There's a huge difference between public health um, and looking at the population health and individual health. And so we're all about individual health usually. It's like, I'm sick, I'm going to the doctor, I'm going to get medicine. And you think about how it, your illness is going to impact you. And as epidemiologists, you have to look at it from you know the 10,000 foot view where you're really looking at um, how do we take actions to make this um, the best possible scenario for the most amount of people? So you're making decisions that don't make individuals happy um, and mm -hmm. are difficult for other people. Um, so you're really asking people to be altruistic, which is not always our nature. Very true. Very good point. Yeah. And as you're kind of describing this, it's, it's unprecedented. It's uncharted waters that we're in right now. And we, you mentioned some of these previous pandemics that we've had and large-scale illnesses. Uh, how do we see this shaping the way that we approach uh, future illnesses? Because, right, we're, there's always going to be that next bug out there, right? Like, we're, we're ready for the great influenza round two. Um, how do we see that having the biggest effect on those future pandemics in the, you know, that's right around the corner. Well, I think it's kind of, it's helping to get us back to maybe the way we used to operate years ago here in this country where neighbors took care of neighbors and, um, you know, you see people doing things like uh, our small town grocery store has started a delivery service. Do they have the staff for that? Probably not, but they're doing it to make sure that the elderly are taken care of. Um, we're, we're going to be developing more and more telework options, um, which is, I think, a, a really good thing for society. Um, it opens up a whole new span of careers to people that live in, you know, maybe a remote, a rural part of America. They can work for a tech firm in um, a bigger state remotely. Um, it's forcing us to really get outside the box and, um, figure out, you know, what are we going to do? Um, we're sitting here right now. Um, it's the first day uh, that we are, uh, that school has been canceled in Iowa, and we're looking at at least four weeks. Some schools are saying um, indefinitely to be determined. Um, we're going to be very innovative in the way that we deliver education to our children. Um Wow. And there's just there's just so much. I've seen several people already putting out all these schedules of things that you can do at home with your kids. And um, I was added to a 
um, listserv today that had all kinds of things as far as how they could help parents learn how to teach their kids. Because we've kind of gotten away from that, too. We just said, oh, this new math stuff we can't handle, right? right. So yeah. we're going to become re-engaged in our kids' education, which I see as a really good thing. Um, so just there's just so much right now. Um, it's really an exciting time. Yeah, definitely. Even in the midst of all this illness. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the, the silver line in this really dark cloud. Um, we had talked a little bit about just how much our culture and our world is pushing towards globalization and putting everything on huge scales. And this is really forcing us to slow down and think about uh, just kind of our, our neighbors and who we trust and who we want to be around. And also just about our lives, getting off that busy, that busy race that we're constantly running uh, and just taking a moment to slow down and look around us. Yeah, absolutely. I think... It's probably a good thing um, that um, that we are having this. It is. I, I think the one thing that I have um, seen um, from a lot of people is the concern about kids and um, families that are food insecure. Um, yeah. Having the uh, people are talking about bus routes, being able to you know deliver food to kids, which I think is amazing. We're not just saying, oh, the schools are closed. We're not worried about things like this. Um, I see people trying to look at other ideas for childcare than just um, using their parents, you know, because grandparents shouldn't be around kids right now because of the disease. So um, just really everyone's having to innovate all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. And I can go can go towards that that community kind of support type of feel, but it also can go towards the isolation economy too. Um, it's kind of up in the air. It's kind of a tug of war between both because like when the isolation economy, we were talking about that too. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that everything being delivery online, pushing us apart and kind of making sure we're all safe and secure, we're not spreading. But yeah, at the same time, they, you have to really – you can't you can't do it alone. Like we we as people as a, as a race just can't we can't do it alone. No, we can't. And then you know I know there's a lot of people who um, uh, are working towards financial security and saving. I feel like um, you guys' generation is much better about that than maybe mine has been. Um, I see a lot of fear from people who live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. 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 That's a and very good point. I just want to go. I just want to go out and teach everybody. This is how you do your emergency funds. You know, this is how you do kind of things like that. And I can feel that there's very real fear out there. Like, is the governor going to pay my bills because I've got my kids and I can't go to work and I'm a single parent? And um, I just, if that's one thing I can help the world with right now, um, I would. Is yeah. There's no joy to me in life than being able to make decisions based on things you want to do and not worrying about um, where the paycheck's going to come from. That's a very hard way to live. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to see a lot of people suffering through that. And it's a really neat opportunity for us to show love and compassion in unique ways. And maybe it's not just through giving, but through a helping hand. Yeah, yeah a, absolutely. A test on humanity, if you will. Really. Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, you know, yes, 
you see the best of humanity and the worst of humanity at this current time. Um, you know, obviously we've seen hoarding and um, we're going to have to figure out this whole resource thing with people. Um, not everyone is caring about each other in the same way right now. Yeah. Yeah. Very clear to see. Yeah. It, it's yeah. amazing where in our society right now you can have uh, individuals fighting over, you know, who can get their fifth package of toilet paper and you have individuals that are going out of their way to personally deliver groceries to elderly so that they don't have to worry about leaving their home. And it's just, it, it's mind blowing the spectrum of, of kindness and compassion that we we're witnessing right now. It is. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking about was um, the whole supply chain management issue and how we are just in time society. So, um, especially in healthcare. So, you know, we have X amount of gloves, sanitizer, um, everything. And we've already had people uh, stealing masks, sanitizer, and even toilet paper from our facility. Wow. Yeah. And, and uh, the other thing is wearing masks. So um, who's supposed to wear a mask right now? It's not people who want to stay well. The people that need to, uh, wear masks right now are the people who are ill right. um, or the people who are caring for ill people. Um, I've had to talk to several people today and say, okay, I can't have you wearing those, particularly at the front door of the hospital, because what do you think when you come in and you see somebody wearing a mask? Sure. We don't need fear. We need welcoming. And uh, I, I'm not going to take masks away from people that need them. And I, make sure they understand that, but we've got to preserve them for the people who are ill or the people who are taking care of those that are ill. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. There's been a, a lot of really great insights from this conversation. I want to provide a chance out there, a parting, a parting tidbit uh, before we, we go our separate ways. One parting message that you wish the, entire world would hear around this topic right now um if you haven't seen the flatten the curve uh, graphic go ahead and google it um this is why we're doing all this social distancing there really is there's evidence-based reasons for it and i know it feels really difficult but i promise it's going to help us we've got to do it that's awesome thanks again for hopping on with us denise appreciate it all right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Yeah, as far as that flatten the curve goes that she was mentioning it, if you haven't heard about it, you should you should look it up. But it really is um, a big focus in making sure that our hospitals are able to continue to operate uh, and continue to um, treat people without being overwhelmed and um, inundated uh, by too many people to care for. And then... Mm -hmm. Which would cause losses and and in addition, I feel even the like overwhelming hospitals people get confused as well. It's not like hospitals are crammed. When we talk about that peak on that graph, if you look at it, the peak above the hospital capacity, that's not just like oh no, someone has to share a room. That is like cases like Italy, where doctors and nurses are being put in a situation where they have to decide in some cases. Who lives and who dies? Who gets a bed? Um, because they simply can't help anyone, everyone. Yeah. So definitely check that out if you if you want to see that. So before we dive into the conclusion, three things I wanted to touch on. 
Uh, one, again, uh, at the time of recording, it's March 16th. With something, a topic like this, things are drastically changing every day. So wanted to make that note. Two, uh, Avery and myself, we acknowledge we are definitely not experts on this topic as, at all. No. Uh, we have <laughs> dove into uh, the literature on this topic, uh, talked to context, content experts like Denise, uh, and we're just trying to bring some insights to this conversation. And three, uh, please know we do not, we are not taking this conversation light with this topic. Uh, the primary driver behind this episode is just trying to find those silver linings behind uh, this virus and how it is spurring innovation. But we're definitely not taking it lightly. Yeah. But Until next time, take care. Take care out there. Wash your hands. <laughs> And sneeze in your elbow. <laughs> and as always, thanks for listening to Onward, Onward Thinking. Thinking.